everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Production Line Podcast. I'm your host, Garth Wickham. Grant. And Andy. And yeah, a little while. It's been a minute since we've had some Red Wings hockey, unfortunately. Or fortunately. I don't know. It depends how you look at it from the two games we'll cover. I don't know you guys. We got some, we got some front office news again. Red Wings have had a couple of those this past month. Um, recap the All-Star game. And a little prospect recap, or update, I should say. Not really a recap. Um, but first, uh, let's pay some bills. Uh, quick word from our sponsor of the show and friends of the Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BetUS.com with promo code RINK for 125% off signing bonus. sign up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. So, yeah, we got a couple games, and I kind of feel like this is a real indicative, indicative of just where two rebuilds are at for teams, right? I guess not so much the Anaheim-Detroit game, but the the game against LA, especially where two rebuilds are at where LA is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll get into those before we talk about like the, the all-star game and stuff. Cause uh, obviously Dylan Larkin was there um, and man on Ray Elms. She was also there. So Red Wings. Broadcaster. <laughs> yeah. Can we, can we count that as uh two Red Wings? I'd count it. Yeah. Right, I mean, she's also a former Tampa Bay Lightning, so. Yeah, no, exactly. Is that like a half? We get half point there? <laughs> half point. Half point. All right. Um, but yeah, so Red Wings won two to one overtime winner uh, by Jordan Osterley. Osterley, I don't know why I said that funny. Some in my throat. Um, really awesome story, though, for him, right? Like hometown guy. I mean, at Dearborn Heights, I suppose, but absolutely rips it over John Gibson there. Um but it's just funny how um, how much of a difference it is that Mo Sider doesn't have Dan DeKaiser on his pairing. I don't know, like <laughs> this game especially. I don't know. I don't know. About, I don't know what you guys saw from this game from him, but I think we should just touch on Joe Nosley a little bit. He just pushes DeKaiser or pushes Sider to be able to push the pace a lot more. DeKaiser's feet or lack of feet makes Sider have to slow his mind down and his game down, and he still looks really good doing it. But Sider is allowable to do so much more with the puck because he has a competent defenseman that can move with him, albeit it's not the best sometimes. Like, he'll make a lot of dumb plays, but he can push the pace with Sider. Yeah, yeah. it's. I think it's more or less having the confidence is where, like, if Sider steps up in the play or goes to make a play and turns the puck over, he's not going to leave. Like, it's not going to be like a three on O or two on O on the other way. Cause at least Osterley can get back and get a body in, in the, in a lane or something like that, you know? Yeah. It's, and like, it's just being able to step into place because he's got the foot speed and right. the capability of being such a good skater. Yeah. And Grant, you brought up those mistakes and Osterley made a huge one. It was the tying goal for this one. He threw that pizza up the middle yeah. And Andy, I know, I know you said something about like we in the text chat about that play. Yeah, yeah. So this it. is the I like 
I know it was a hard pass going across ice, but like in a game where you're protecting a lead and you have open ice in the middle, I think Larkin should have got a stick on that. Like even to break it up and stuff like it was right. Like if you just put a stick on the ice, it would have been, he would have been gone. And if you're like, if, if you're like, if I'm Dylan Larkin and I have his speed, I'm taking that puck all day. I don't care who my wingers are, who the pucks, in, who the passes intend for. Like that was right in his wheelhouse where he could have picked it off or could have just picked it up, I should say. And the puck would have been going north or south or the other, the other way. Instead, he lets it go by to, I can't remember who the winger was. Raymond. Was it Raymond? Okay. Yep. And uh, who picked it off? Off, off Anaheim, I can't remember. Henrique, I think. It was Henrique, yep. Henrique, yeah. Um, so it was, it, was a, it was like a pizza to Henrique, but if Larkin just picked it off, I think like that would have been negated. And the puck would have been going down towards Anaheim zone, in my opinion. It's a, t- it's a tough one, but I kind of feel like about, like, it was in between kind of the triangle of Larkin. That's a hard one for on your backhand, especially to get down yeah. there and pick it off. I agree. Like in retrospect, it's really easy to point out, be like, hey, like you should pick that off. But yeah. with a hard pass going across, you're just you're relying on your defenseman there as the center because you can't really see on the side there. You're not looking to see first before you catch it, right? You're just you're either catching it or you're not. Well, now, obviously, all, all, ob- if you're an all-star NHLer, you should be aware of your surroundings, in my opinion. I don't know. Yes, I guess but. <laughs> he's he's aware of the fact that the pass is supposed to go through him to his teammate. Correct. Yeah. Correct. He was realizing yeah. that that pass was definitely not for him and let it go. So there's two different ways to look at it. You look at it like you should know that a guy is going to swing in and intercept a pass that he is not in his line of sight or know that your winger and Raymond is supposed to be getting this puck, which should not be a pass that should be made by Osterley. Right. It. That was... A horrendous. That's, that's where it all stems from. Is that pass should not have been made? No, in the first place, because it was in, it was in a spot where Larkin's like, "Okay, this is not for me," and he knew yeah. where his winger is going to be. Yep, I agree completely. Yeah. And Osterley, like, obviously, he made up for it big time. I thought he played well, like the rest of the game. Like, there, like honestly, defensively, there wasn't a lot given up by Detroit. I mean, only fifteen shots for Anaheim, and there wasn't like a, a lot of chances where I was like, "Ooh, come, good save, Ned." It was kind of just like a lot of whatever. Um. But Osterley, he gets the game winner in overtime. And I thought it really capped off also another really great game from Larkin. Yeah. As so we could touch on his goal from the first in a little oh bit, but I just want to like on the specific on the specific play in overtime, he was going at Getzlaff a lot of the game. Like he finished a really hard check on Getzy in the third, I think it was. And Getzlaff was pissed about it. Like he was in his ear about it. But Larkin against Getzlaff, who's a very good faceoff guy, double effort. Right back to Osterley, who, by the way, like if Nick Letty wouldn't have left this game with injury, Nick Letty would have been that guy, right? In overtime, and Osterley absolutely ripped it, which I wasn't, ex- I wasn't expecting. I thought like maybe he would just like take it back and like they'd you know try to get possession. So quick shot off the faceoff in overtime is kind of a rarity. Yeah, it's even like in any time really, unless there's like three, four seconds left in a period, it's kind of a rarity. And at any time of the game nowadays, I find. Because most teams are defensively sound enough where they're going to clog up the shot lane, so it's kind of it's kind of unexpected. Good for Australia. Well, the Rangers tell- have actually had a couple like low quality scoring right. chances turn into goals in overtime. I mean, even like Raymond's off the rush against Buffalo, that's not yeah. a a quality shooting shot or a shot to take in overtime, technically. Right. But that shot was placed perfectly. 
And if you see something you like, I'm all for taking that chance. And right. it, especially if it's not going to be a shot over the net, that's going to roll across the glass for a breakaway the other way or two on one the yeah, other way. Because that's a lot. Yeah, that's what you see a lot all the time in overtime when you have dumb players taking dumb shots. And then we got some uh, we got some good content out of it, but uh, Osterly Selly, a uh, pretty big one. Uh, we saw Raymond jump into him. Cider came off the bench. Like everyone was super excited for him, which which is great. I think it was his first goal in like was it like sixty games, like an actual time. But first is a Red Wing, obviously. Um, but then we had after practice the next day, everyone rating. There was the Red Wings Twitter account. They do um, they'll put like a poster and like guys will ask questions as they walk by off the ice. It was like rate Osterley's uh, celebration, and ev- like everyone, like Sam Gagne grilled him, and I thought that was pretty funny. So I don't know. I thought it'd be fun for us to rate his celebra- celebration. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. It was like seven or eight. Okay, Andy. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go like a seven and a half. I'd go that. Like it'd be a lot cooler. I get, I get, I get it from his point. It's his first goal in so long. First goal is Red Wing overtime winner. You're pumped up. I probably go streaking if i scored a goal in nhl so but for a mainstay nhl or little little aggressive for a guy who doesn't score a whole lot but i like it i'm gonna go i'm actually it's, it's weird i have a weird feeling like i'm switching spots to grant here where i'm gonna be the the pessimist but uh i'm gonna go like Gagne. Gagne kind of ripped him he said it's a little bit unoriginal and i kind of agree i'm gonna go yeah, four. It is. i'll go with i'll go with gags on the four it's a classic selly that's what i'm saying it's unoriginal so too, yeah, it's done too much. I don't want to see he is, he is an original player, or like yeah. on a, like he's just a <laughs> normal player. I suppose. I suppose he's not someone good enough that can do like a sweet celly. I'm sorry. Yeah. Guys no, fired up. I scored a GWG in the show. Come on. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I've done some stupid celebrations in my life after scoring a goal. So like I can't really say much. The emotions kind of just get there. Um, but let's talk about Larkin, that first goal. I mean, the, I mean, the Red Wings only scored two goals. So, yeah, the first Red Wing goal, uh, first period. At the end of the period, um, really, really smart exit by Gus Lindstrom, who we'll get to in a little bit. Um, and then Philip Sedina hits him with a perfect pass. And Larkin absolutely just cruises past Kevin Shattenkirk, took his soul, and then took John Gibson's soul. <laughs> Man, I was sick. Uh Zadina had a couple really, really good shifts in the first period. And I know I texted that in the group chat because he – that was probably his least impactful shift of the period, honestly, which sounds bad. And that might not actually be the case, but he made a nice pass to Larkin and Larkin just broke out. But I was – I texted that out of all the shifts he had, that was the least deserving shift he had to, like, get an assist, and he got an assist on that shift. So that was pretty nice to see. Yeah, for sure. And you have obviously, yeah. So starting with Gus Lindstrom, I thought Gus Lindstrom that was like his best period, or no, it's not his best, his best game of his career so far. He played seven minutes in the first period, which I thought was kind of crazy. Yeah, but he absolutely laid out Sam Steele, oh, yeah, crunched him. Uh, argue was it interference? Maybe. I don't care. Absolutely finished this hit, and um, obviously, we, I think we talked about last episode what, what is what is a war percentage was his wins above replacement, him being like one of the one of the better defensemen in the NHL, like for how much ice time he's playing. 
Right. And I honestly think I can make the argument this year that he's been the second best defenseman on the team. Consistently. Consistent, consistent wise. Like Horonic has his highs, but he, his lows are low. Where Gus Lindstrom's kind of that steady, even keel kind of guy. I don't know. Grant, you look like you want to say something on that. So it's crazy because lately I've been talking about how he's it's hard to like say that about him because he's the fifth or sixth defenseman. But lately I've been feeling like he's more than just a fifth or sixth defenseman by the way he's playing and he's seeing more ice, which makes me really happy because he's not doing anything bad. It's just, it's so funny to think like last year where we were, we were talking about how he has no upside and I was right on that train. I saw nothing. I, I was like, he's a fine shutdown defense and that's his, that's his ceiling. And I'm seeing more and more times where he's able to move a puck in like tight spaces and steadily shut down opponents. I I love his game right now where it's at. And he's just, he just keeps getting better. My, my dream pairing for next year, Gus Lindstrom and Simon Edmondson. Yeah. I think those two could complement each other so well. We're like, Edvinson can kind of be that horse that he is like what we've seen in the world juniors and stuff where he's really aggressive and pinching in and Gus Lindstrom's so smart where he's not going to take a lot. He's able to keep a play going. You notice in a game off the point, but he's not like flashing. He's not going to overcommit down low. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of like a a favorite word, but poor man's version of like what Ottawa had when they had Mark Mathot with Eric Carlson, Mathot being your stay home guy that breaks it out just simple like obviously yeah. a very poor man's like like a that's a reach kind of but like the same idea no, yeah, style, your... style yeah stylistically that makes a lot of sense obviously not right. yeah not you're saying not the same thing but stylistically yes thing. right like um stylistically and uh like systematically too like you have a, mm-hmm. basically almost a fourth forward in edmondson slash what would have been carlson and then you have your stay home guy who is just gonna breaking up plays and being that defensive defenseman in Mathot and Lindstrom. So yeah. that's that's what the Red Wings need to do next year. Is that's their, That should be their main focus, like it was this year, to pick up a guy like Nick Letty that can complement Cider, even though they strayed from that right away because they didn't feel Cider needed Nick Letty. Um, but to find <laughs> – Letty, Letty needs Cider. Letty needs Cider. <laughs> to, find, to find someone like Gus Lindstrom to just complement Edvinson next year – so he has the freedom to jump into plays and step up on the rush because that's what he's so good at. And he likes to play below the goal line sometimes in the offensive zone. If you watch him closely, he's crazy. You see a lanky six foot six, six foot seven defenseman on skates playing below the goal line. It's crazy, but that's what he does in the ozone. And it's, oh, he's has such good vision. And I swear so to I'm, God, if, if Jeff Blashill tells him to stop doing that next year, I'm going to kill him. Yeah, uh, but like, I hope Flashell's not around. Let's be honest. I'm yeah, sorry. I mean that's that is also a possibility. I'm not saying it's a great possibility, but it might be. No, I, I just might hope. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but but also with a back on Gus Lindstrom, like it was as early, like as late as like beginning of the season where I, I was on the train of he shouldn't see ice over Troy Stetcher, and I'm like I don't get yeah. why we protected over. I did, I said I, I I said at the time I don't I don't get why we protected him over Dennis Chalowski. Boy, was I wrong. Me too. <laughs> I'm happy to be like, it makes sense though. Like you go with the Chalowski's a very high upside, low, low floor kind of guy. Like I think Gus Lindstrom's better right now, but like you can see where Chalowski might have more well, pop. 
But now you're starting to question it, like how consistent he's been. You're like, well, maybe he can be more of a maybe a four, number four or five guy instead yeah, of a like six, a, like a solid number four. If is that his ceiling now? Like we're seeing a very different looking Lindstrom that just keeps going up and up. So I, I honestly don't know. That'd be awesome if he could be a really, really good number five or a really solid number four. And yeah. it is nice that, like, after I just ripped on Blashfield, but, like, that he is playing him, giving him those minutes more to see what, what his ceiling kind of is. I I feel like also they did need, like, did need him because well, some guys weren't going. And, you know, it was Letty out at that point. Not enough. Um, no, yeah, Letty was out for the whole third and overtime. Yeah, third. But it was like halfway through the second. It was a it was a weird collision he had in the center ice where like he looked shook up. Right. No, granted, it wasn't the it wasn't the, play. it wasn't the Zegers play because he no, they showed up after that one too. I know he did, but there was a play. I think it was after that. Okay, where it was someone. I think I have it. I have it somewhere. Uh, it was a high, yeah the highlight. I was looking at the highlight pack. It was Silverberg and Letty. It looked like Letty popped out his shoulder. Oh shit! Because they ran into each other. I, I knew I had it. Because I, I rewatched it because I, I thought it was because Mickey thought it was Zegris. And I'm like, OK, and I like watched the replay the next day. And I was because like, I always do just for it's just I miss something for notes. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it was another the Red Wings at the better end of uh, the rookie battle this time. Um, but there was a bunch of stats like obviously with Zegris. I wrote, I wrote a big article on how I think Cider should be the favorite over Zegris. That's not it's not new news if you listen to this. Um. But Z, I can point out in the broadcast that Zekers only starts three percent of his three uh, percent of his zone starts are in the deep defensive zone. And I don't know if you noticed a lot of the game he wasn't playing center. It was Henrik that was taking most of the draws. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not trying to. Like, I'm not trying to like bash the guy at all. I'm just like these are just points that like people like when you're calling him a center. Is he right? Right. I think he ultimately he's going to be. No, no, right. he is. There's a developmental phase, like there is with the defenseman, and Sider's stepping in at playing 22 to 23 minutes a night, where Zegris is ha- like, there is a little bit of a curve for him to become a number, like right now, two center is what he's being after behind Getzlaff. He's going to be a number one center. Yep. But there's a learning curve there. Center's a tough role. As so, a is, so, is number one, so is a number one defenseman. It, it, that's that's I'm I so I just said, but I'm trying yeah. to compare the two. I'm saying Cider stepping into his role better, in my opinion. I I love I love Zegers' game, and he he's so flashy and fun to watch. But I do think Cider is the better at his given position right now. Yep. And I was looking at like Raymond versus Cider because so, I mean we we got that awesome picture of those two like squaring up against each other. It looked like they were kind of laughing. Uh, but like Cider, percent- Raymond and Zegers, not Cider and Raymond. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, thank you. Um, I don't know why I said it that way. Uh, but yeah, Zegers and Raymond have basically the same war percentage. Like, it, they're it's really close. Like this race is close. And then now you throw Anton Lundell in, who had I'm pretty sure the same night he had a five assist night. It was Monday night, I believe so. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was they, it was the funniest part about that was they were talking about how the two highest scoring forwards were playing in the game. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't the two highest scoring forwards anymore because Lundell just tied Zegers. Because <laughs> he was at 27 points and 32 at the end of the night. But like but a lot of this, this race, man, I don't remember a race this exciting because even now, 
what if Matt Boldy finishes the season at a point per game? Like, let's say, like, well, yeah, he's played 10 games right now. He's 10 for 10. Yeah, like, let's say he'd be, like, 50 for 50. That'd be (laughs) tough. That'd be really tough. I think ultimately he'd get held against him, but he would get votes. He would pull votes from other players. He he is so good. I don't know why he did. It was his injury. Why he didn't start? It was his injury. Yeah, he, he and then he, his first game in the AHL this year, he had a hat trick. It's just, it's just funny because I remember at the start of the year, there was the whole debacle of trading Bertuzzi. And I said, the only way I'll trade Bertuzzi is if we trade for a guy like, or prospect like Matt Boldy. Yeah, I don't think Minnesota's doing that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like a lot of it back on Raymond, like Raymond's numbers are a little bit, he's at 59%, where Zeger's at 61 like basically the same, but Raymond it gets impacted more because he, he he's about 50, 50 split in the D zone with, with yeah. his starts. Cause he, he's trusted a lot more defensively than Zegers. And I, as a center, like as a young center, it's a lot harder. So I'm not taking that away from Zegers. I'm not trying to take that away from Zegers. I'm just saying what the roles have been so far. Um, Larkin Larkin became, he tied Marcel Dion for six in Red Wings history for goals for a player under 20 or 25 or younger, which is still, it's so cool. Like Larkin, He's he's become a star when like a lot of the conversation this summer after a down year was like is he a second line center? And now well, he's correct. we laugh at that. It's just he needs the line mates. He can't push the pace with Zadina and Gagne on his wings like he was last year. Whoever was playing up with them, Zadina and Ryan or whatever it was, mm-hmm. he needs help. It can't just be like guys like that and Bertuzzi and Raymond or whoever's playing with him. Vlad and Raymond. It's yep. just such a big adjustment compared to last year. What how bad it was. Um, also, I, I forgot to uh, goal or no goal for Heronic there. Not gonna lie, I didn't even see it. Oh, you missed it. Oh uh, yeah, I didn't see the third period. That's right, uh, Andy. You guys were all distorted and cut out. I it just came back in. What was what were we talking about? Uh, Heronic, goal or no goal? <laughs> uh, that's the the kicking motion one, right? Yes. It was called kicking motion. Yes. Uh, at first, I was like, at first, well, when I first watched it, I just saw the puck go in. I didn't really, I was bobbling around, didn't really know what to think. My first reaction was probably no goal, but then watching the replay. And I think it was Mick had pointed out. He goes, he's he's redirecting it, but his blade doesn't leave the ice. Like, like his skate blade doesn't leave the ice, and it's a redirection which is allowed. So after Mick pointed that out and watching it in slow mo, which the referees would have, they would have access to every camera angle. Right. I think it would be. It should have been a goal, in my opinion. Yeah, Kenny. Uh, yeah, Ken. Ken Daniels was like. He was so set on it being a goal. He was convinced, like he was ready. If he would, if he could have put money on it, he would have said that's a goal. And he was pissed about it. Like I've, that's like the most like homer I've seen Ken get about a goal. Because Ken doesn't really get homer that much, but like he was honestly a little bit fired up about it. And I agree. Like um, I think the, they should tweak the rule in the sense that if it, if the skate blade's not leaving the ice, I feel like you should be able to redirect it with your feet. Well, that you know what I mean. Is, that kind of is the rule now as it stands like like, like go ahead 
oh, I was just saying like that's they changed that rule to where you can't obviously full blown kick it because that's a safety hazard if someone's laying down in front of the ice or whatever. But right. you are it is they considered what did they say? I believe it's considered as a skill in the sense where if your blade if your skate stays on the ice, it's kind of like tipping a puck in a sense, but with your feet. Like if you're tied up and you move your foot to redirect it mm-hmm. without a full blown kicking motion. I believe they said that's a skill, kind of like how you're allowed to win a face off with your feet. That's right. a skill. Yeah. I you know, like at all in the NHL, obviously WHF, you can't do that, but yeah. Right. In the NHL roles, you're allowed to win a face off your feet. So like, that's, yeah, I, I believe they've made the, ch- the rule change to that, but like, I don't know. There still seems everyone... to be inconsistencies with that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You need, you need like a, a hard line to follow like a hard set in stone rule to follow. Yeah. As long as the blades not off the ice, I'm cool. I'm cool with it. Cause like obviously the blade off of the ice, you get the chance of it. Like players are trying to kick it like in the right. air, you get chances of injury and all of that. And I completely understand that. That's fine. But on the ice, yeah. if you're able to redirect it, like do it. I don't know. It's uh, to me, to me, that makes sense to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, like great. Yeah. Great. Um, obviously great game. Uh, two points there. Really good defensive effort after like a rough game against Toronto where you give up a lot in the third period and shut down, shut a team down for 15, 15 shots. Pretty great. Um, but then you go into the next game and you give up 45 shots. <laughs> there is no consistency in this team at all. None. Um, we're just a 500 team and a young. And it's just the two stages of a rebuild where like LA's like I LA I think isn't is a playoff team. I think they're a playoff team. I what I've seen out of them defensively, they're so good at shutting plays down. Um that line of Trevor Moore, Philip Deneau, and Victor Arvidsson absolutely ruined the Red Wings. I don't like Trevor Moore could have scored 30 times, I think. I'm convinced. Um but yeah, uh, and then as soon as like we were talking about we were talking about Australia, I thought Australia was like our worst defenseman that game. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, he looked rough. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't like the bouncing around of the pairings with the Kaiser back. Then it started with like Lindstrom and the Kaiser, right? Yes. And then we went back to like our weird pairings, and then Blash was just bouncing them all over, or Huda, whoever was doing the pairings. But there were a lot of mixing and matching with pairings. I did not like that. Yeah, also the lines were mixing and matching quite a bit too. Like they went back to Bertuzzi, Lark, and Raymond at one point. Yeah. Um, and then Zadina on the second line, which at that point I would have left the second line and put Zadina up on the first. Like we've been saying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like because it was weird because the the third line actually was our one of our most dangerous line, I thought, this game. Um because Rasmussen got an early goal, which was awesome for him. I thought he was the he was really good on the cycle, especially. Um, it was a play by now that I'm blanking on it. Um I forgot how I got into the zone, but it was a play by Zadina who got the re like he shot it back on net and then Rasmussen banged in the rebound, which is like a lot of his goals in um for Tri-City, right? For WHLs where he played. Yep. A lot of his goals like that in junior were a lot like that. And it was really cool. Um, but yeah, like there was a lot of, like a lot of that line was going 
it was it's okay it was heronic that brought it in he shot it it was a really good yeah no, no okay sorry i'm fumbling over my words i apologize so i just remembered it so zadina made a really really good back check on the play came back broke it up and then it was a th- it was it was a three on two the other way with heronic jumped in with ernie and Rass. It was like a four on two. With- yeah, it was a four on two. You're right. Cause he went across to Heronic, who oh, shot it. And then Zadina got back in the play, banged at it again, and then Rasmussen put it in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that play doesn't happen without Zadina back checking like that. And then also creating a shot. That was also Zadina's third point in four games, which is pretty good. Like that's pretty good production if you get that clip throughout a whole year. But obviously, it's not been like that for Zadina. I was happy for him. Like back to back games with points. And he's looked good. Um, but then, like, you get plays with Adam Ernie where I'm just like, you could, you just need Vlad down there and Ernie out of the lineup where Ernie, like, there was a, there was a play like specifically where they were on the cycle and Ernie flipped it out of play and it was a power play the other way. But like, it, cause yeah, they had a really good shift on the cycle. Then they went, they, LA got the puck out and then Ernie flips it out of play and then, Obviously, momentum's ruined, and you get you're now defending for a whole two minutes. It's just stuff like that, like really shoots shoots a team in the in the foot, you know. Yeah, it's little plays like that that you hear at every level of hockey. It's the little details that matter the most, in the sense of like, especially when you're looking at your bottom six forwards and your bottom three, bottom two pairing of D or last, you know, five six D. Yeah, it's little things that matter the most that can change momentum for a team, either good or bad. And in this sense, it was not good for the Wings. No, yeah. And back to like, so that was a one. We were up one nothing. I went. It was two one quick with uh, it was Philip Deneau who got up. He all muscled Australia to the net and banged in a rebound. Um, and then the second goal was it was a point shot. Yeah, it was a point shot off the crossbar and. Kaliev put in the rebound, but why, also why? Why is Arthur Kaliev on the fourth line for LA? No idea. That dude has a nasty shot. Yeah, his shot's super nice. Andy, Andy would know a lot about it, being the OHL expert. Yeah, I mean, I can't even remember he played in the O where I watched him play. I think it was he was playing against Peterborough. Yeah, and uh, I can't remember what team he was on. Hamilton. Was he on Hamilton? Yeah. Yes, Hamilton, yes. I was going to say Sarnia because they have the same colors, or Kingston, yes. but yes, Hamilton. And um, he was he was on their power play, and he kind of was like their version of like Ovechkin because mm-hmm. of the shot. Like, he was just lethal and <laughs> ridiculous. I think, he, I think in one power play, he rang all three posts, crossbar, <laughs> left post, right post, from the same spot. <laughs> he was... Like him and Owen actually Owen Tippett was like that too when he played in Saginaw. Um, I watched him play in Saginaw. Kaliev was 2019 draft, right? Yes, he was second rounder. How did he go in the second round? I don't know. It's stupid. Like what? I think it was just like his attitude or something was the issue was with him. Yeah, Hamilton. If if I'm remembering correctly, Hamilton wasn't like they came off of a, a strong year and then he was still there i believe or he just came in um and so i'm pretty Hale- sure he, fi- he finished with 50 goals that year i'm pretty sure yeah all right was that, or is that is 19 the year they won the, the I, I can't remember can't remember either way um 
but yeah, he it was something to do with like off ice issues, I believe, or like in the locker room. But I mean, skill wise, it's phenomenal. Like, <laughs> yeah, and LA's LA's done a really good job of finding like guys in like the later round, like the second and third rounders that like really pop off. Like their lineup is. You, obviously, you have the guys like Dowdy, Kopitar, Dustin Brown that are still high up in the lineup. But then you got you have guys that pop are popping now, like Adrian Kempe. Um, the trade for Victor Arvison was really smart. You have a Quinton Byfield who's your third liner, which it's silly. And you have still have so many prospects that are going to be impactful, like Brant Clark, all, all, all like Arthur Kaliev still developing, Alex Turcott, Gabe Velarde's in the minors. Like they're laughing, man. And yeah, it's just. Where, where L.A. and Detroit are at, it's just L.A. is that other step ahead of Detroit where it comes to being back in the playoffs. And systematically, Todd McClellan's a really good coach. Yeah. Like, Detroit had nothing. Like, shot-wise, like, I think they finished the, the the game with, like, 22 shots, I think, and L.A. had 45. Um, But it was a pretty close game. Like, Detroit, like, pretty close game up until, like, whatever. Like, I'm saying score-wise, not play-wise. Like, L.A. was out shooting Detroit pretty bad. Bertuzzi tipped he got he got a tip on for the tying goal. And I'm trying to remember who threw that on net. Lindy. It was, was it I think it was it was it Larkin that threw it on net? It was it or Lindy got a secondary assist or was it Lindy shot it? I think Lindy shot it. Again, our boy. Yeah, I know. Our boy. We keep piping him up. There's hey, back to back games with points. That's all I gotta say. Maybe, maybe his ceiling's a number two defenseman. I don't know. Number number maybe. one. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. It's gonna be tough for having three number one defensemen. Yeah, trying to share, trying to share ice. Um, but you know, one year is gonna be Lindstrom, Sider, and Edmondson. You know what <laughs> we do next year, what next year when we win the cup, it's gonna be Lindy, Sider, and Edmondson. <laughs> no, we do at that point. We just scratch the fourth line winger and throw one of them up on the ice. Yeah, yeah. There you <laughs> go. There you already plays below the goal line. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Um, but yeah, after that, like I, I said, like that second line for LA, dude. I love all three of their like first line, like that Trevor Moore, Dano. Dano was such a good pickup, and Arvidsson. Arvidsson yeah. averages like three shots a period. He's a monster, dude. And then That's Byfield, was... Brown, and Athanasiu is so fun. Yeah, their like, lineup is really fun. That. Third line is actually so fun because Athens sees like speed, like reflects so well with Byfield's like game, and then Brown on that wing too because Brown actually knows like how to. I guess now that I'm thinking about that, I don't know where else. I don't know where else you put Kaliev considering like you have Ayafalo and Kempe with Kopitar. Like there's There's, not a lot of room for him. It's tough. Like that lineup is steep right now. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I honestly think they could win around this year in the playoffs, depending who they play. Yeah, just how Super. well they play defense. And, like, also their defensemen, like, there's not, like, besides Dowdy, like, there's not a lot of, like, big-name guys. Like, Mikey Anderson's a good player. I like Mikey Anderson a lot. Um, Who else do they even have? Like, Alex Edler was out, I'm pretty sure. Like, Ali Mata plays. Uh, yeah. not that... I know they're uh, missing, like, Sean Walker and Matt Matt Roy, who are pretty good defensemen. The, the uh, they had a couple the of rookies. Oh, Dersey. Yeah, Dersey's good. Sick. Yeah. Jersey's good. Their lineup this uh, year. Isn't it like Bjornfoot and Mata? And uh, they had a rookie named uh, was Jacob Morave. I'm pretty sure he was in the lineup. Yeah, he was in Strand. And Strand. Oh, yeah, Strand had two assists this game. Yeah. He's a young guy, too. He's a 97, I think. Um, like, li- listen to this. Like, if they play the Oilers in the first round, like, somehow 
they Oilers finish like second, or in LA finishes third somehow, and Calgary like drops to a wild card or something. Right. I don't see them losing to the Oilers. Uh, no, I'm putting I'm putting money on LA. Yes, hundred yeah. percent in five games. Like, yes, LA is so steep, and Danelle is just gonna shut down McDavid. Yeah, <laughs> literally, <laughs> it's gonna be way too easy. I love seeing him because, like, in the playoffs last year, like he, he had a really like rough year offensively, and like this year, you kind of see with like Arvidsson and Trevor Moore, like those two water bugs. You have like really good chemistry, and he's able to like open himself up offensively, and he's underrated. I, I actually really enjoy watching the Kings. Not gonna lie. Me too. Like the two games they played the Red Wings, like they've absolutely destroyed the Red Wings. But I'm like, you know what? That was fun watching. Yeah. Man. Um. We also had to, to get off the go back to the Red Wings. Uh. I mean, obviously, two empty netters to finish the game, so it's like skewed with the five three final. But, uh, Joe Valeno in garbage time. He Joe Valeno always scores in garbage. Joe time. Valeno loves the garbage time goals. <laughs> <laughs> like they don't like the two like the two like uh he scored the one against Maple Leafs, which was a big one, and like the I Vegas. guess. The Colorado one, we we're already getting destroyed, so like yeah. fine. But you have Vegas who scored, and then this one especially, where you have 50 <laughs> seconds left and losing, which I feel bad. And like it was a sweet goal. Uh Jamel Smith. Also, we have I forgot to mention, yeah, Jamel Smith debut. Uh oh, yes. for his brother, which was kind of a bummer. Because we don't we yeah. get to see but like also Jamel. I like Jamel Smith Smith a lot. I thought he played pretty well. He should have missed we, it. Uh yeah, we we love a guy fighting Lemieux. Uh <laughs> I wish Giovanni would have fought Lemieux. Giovanni would have kicked the shit. Me too. Sorry, Jamel. <laughs> Jamel, no, 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 yeah, Jamel's not a great fighter. Giovanni's um, definitely the better fighter. I actually, I feel so bad saying this, but I miss Giovanni this game. Yeah, I've really liked the way he's playing. Um, I agree. He just—it's almost like he creates a scarce for other fourth lines. I don't, I don't know. People are almost like touchier with the puck, like quicker with making decisions and creates yep. turnovers. And I feel like that gives Valeno lots of room to work and Valeno puts in work. There's a certain player that wears number 73 for the Red Wings that I feel like Johnny Smith could should have a spot in the lineup over. Yes, and that would give room to put Valeno higher up in the lineup as well. Yeah, because I'm not yeah obviously Giovanni's not more than a fourth yeah, liner. No, that's but he, um, Adam Ernie's Adam Ernie's replacement level. I right now, yes. Um, what he does well is move his feet in the offensive zone, but then turn over the puck. So, uh, yeah, I'm good with replacing him right now. Or just yep. scratch him a couple games and see what Valeno can do higher in the lineup. Give him the Zadina treatment. He just had four points in two games in the AHL and a three-point game. And I love how Red Wing fans immediately thought, like, what, this is ridiculous. Why is he in the minors? I'm like, well, the Red, the Red Wings don't play for a week. Yeah, let him let him let him play a couple games on a on a struggling Griffins team right now, and he performed well. I mean, obviously he got an assist on Bergeron's goal too, which was sweet. His did uh, you see his shorthanded breakaway goal? So nice! Oh my god, happy for him. I'm glad like he can go down and like he took it like took it. I don't think he took it personally. I think it was a conversation with Stevie. He was like, hey, like this is gonna be a couple games. Like, well, did you see his post game presser? I did not know. Oh, he basically just talked about it's really nice to come down here and play big minutes and play playing like the the pushing minutes that matter a lot. So I'm sure they talked about it and said like you're gonna go down and play some big minutes for these two games and come back up. But no, I I've liked Flano a lot recently and just the way mm-hmm. he uses his speed. He's starting to use his speed more and more up in the big league. So I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And uh, just to cap off the game against LA, I thought Ned played very well again against LA. 
Like it was not his, I mean, three goals against on 45 shots or 43 shots, technically, because the two shots were empty netters, but right. Uh, no, great game for Ned. Uh, also Raymond, I thought he had a couple of really good looks that could have gone in and he's just struggling. He can't put the, put the puck. I in the thought net. Raymond played really, really good against Anaheim. Yes. Yeah, he did. Um, LA, I didn't notice him as much, but I thought he still played good. He had, he had one play in this game where he came off the wall. It was five on five. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't a power play because he. I was weird that he had this much space, but he finally like took a couple more steps towards the net to shoot instead of like looking for a pass right away or shooting from right there, which he needs to get inside a little bit more is what I'm noticing right now from him to get better looks scoring wise. Um, but yeah, so that re- finishes up those uh, some front office news. So I think we talked about it last week a little bit, but Pat Verbeek was rumored to be the guy in Anaheim for their general manager opening and he got the job and obviously like congrats to Pat. Like he's deserved, he's very deserving of it. And what a, what a team to go into to work as a general manager with oh. like, the, with like all their prospects that they have, it's a pretty lucrative job. They're think about it. positioned very similarly to the Red Wings, except they have more uh, dealable players that are to get more stuff from. Did you see what he said? In this yeah. press conference, he said that like we're in the middle of a rebuild right now. So I think he might sell Hampus Lindholm, Ricard Raquel at the deadline, and that's even more fuel. That's what I mean. That's what I was talking about those. Okay, those right. players. I, I was I was wondering I was wondering if you heard what he said. Like I did not hear that. But he kind of no. hint. He's hinting at that a little bit. I figured they would. They're not in. They're not going to do anything in the playoffs if they make. No, the it, it, it'd be like if the Red Wings made the playoffs. It's like, the they're, same, they're in the same spot. Yeah. I mean, they have a couple more guys that like would get them like John having a guy like John Gibson is obviously huge, yeah. and then Getzlaff and Lindholm and stuff like that. But again, similar similar spots to the Red Wings. Um, but he's he's so deserving of it. He's been Eisman's foot soldier for so long. Like they, everyone says, he's the hardest working guy in the business. He's in like a lot of those rinks. Like he's a lot. He goes to a lot of junior games to scout. And yeah, it's very nice to see a guy get rewarded. And I know Eisman was the guy who was really pushing for him to get a job, which is kind of unique. Cause a lot of times during this year, like this time of year, when a, when a ma- management position opens, like teams will be like, no, you're not talking to anyone to guys who want to be talked to, but he was pushing for Pat for and He was saying for years how Pat for is ready. So it's Eisman getting his, his guy rewarded. And I, I really appreciate that. That's really cool. Um, but I made this huge list of things. Where I was like, all right, I, I did research on guys who could fill in the assistant general manager position for the Red Wings. And of course, like one of the guys I put, like, which is an obvious, Sean Horkoff gets promoted. And kind of similar to Verbeek in the sense he's been a foot soldier, like director of player development. He's done a lot of scouting. He knows his stuff. It just makes a ton of sense for all the guys coming into Grand Rapids next year where he'll be overseeing those guys. Another thing with this is letting Verbeek talk like he wants him to get a job because he believes in him, that means he has someone that he believes in below Verbeek, too, that he's going to try to promote within. Because yeah. otherwise, I don't think you let someone just walk like that. I'm sure I'm sure he because he is good friends with Verbeek and believes that he wants him to have an opportunity like this. That's part of the reason. But another part of the reason is having a guy like Horkoff that could just step in and take over. Yeah. Um, I really, I really like it though. He's been, with the, he's been with the Red Wings for six years now, which is kind of crazy to think about. Cause I remember when he got hired, I really like the way he, sometimes he'll just 
he'll be interviewed a lot and he likes to talk about prospects. And I, I like his breakdowns of prospects. And I think he does a good job breaking them down. People it's forget like, how good of a hockey player that Sean Horkov actually he was. He was. Right. Yeah. Him he and was Sam some, Gagne in their prime. Yeah. He was on some cruddy Edmonton teams, but like overall, like Sean Horkov was a good center. Very, Very good. good. Um, but yeah, like he was a guy I, I kind of viewed as one of the more likely candidates. Uh, there was a guy that I thought for fun. I think a guy that's going to get another promotion is Aaron Kahn. I did some research on the Red Wings front office. So yeah, he got hired last year as, or this year as director of hockey ops, but he's 27 and he's done. He ran cap for the capitals and the LA Kings for, it was a combined three years between the two teams. He's only 27. And I thought like, that was a really interesting. I thought maybe Eisman would have went that route to promote, promote. I know people, a lot of people thought Chris Draper, but Chris Draper already is basically an assistant general manager with his role that he does. And he's very good at it. And I would, I don't want him touched. And people right. thought Nick Lidstrom, like maybe that's another signing, but he literally just got his position less than a month ago. Yeah. He's not like, he, he might get a different look at a different, like he might get more of a Horkoff look in that position with Horkoff now focusing his interests towards Grand Rapids now a little bit right. more. Um, but you have like Dan Cleary is going to probably take in the role that Horkoff was playing because Cleary was also a director of player development. So Cleary is probably going to get an increased role. You have obviously imports of Cronwall in Sweden. But it's a little sh- like a little shuffling, and I thought that was really I thought it was really interesting. Um, obviously, yeah, really, really, you know, big congrats to Papper Beak and Sean Horkoff, and it's just it is good that Red Wings like front office wise are getting looks at from other teams because that just means they're doing the right things. I mean, you could be the Chicago Blackhawks where they're interviewing Peter Shirelli. Uh, I think it was today. Yeah, for their general manager position and all i, all I want to say is i'm going to call i if i'm steve eisen i'm calling about phil peronic t- for alex to it straight up <laughs> yeah i'm doing if, something crazy with the brinket <laughs> well i mean you think about it like the, the taylor hall for adam larson how is that not the equivalent but yeah, yeah it's similar <laughs> it's so funny to me and like oh, the blackhawks were such they had such a bad week again and it's so disgusting with that i mean i'll take whole... i'll take kubalik too get some more uh check yeah. I was gonna say we were talking about Strom at one point this year, and he just yeah put a patty up against us a couple last week, two weeks ago. Yeah, but like I hate I to say, like like the Blackhawks fans at this point are getting off treated awfully at this point. But as an organization, they're getting what they deserve if they hire Peter Shirelli. Is all I gotta say. With that, yeah. with that press, I don't know if you guys. I'm assuming you guys saw the the town the town hall meeting with Rocky Words, and all you didn't see that. I didn't see the I didn't see the clip of it. No. I saw it. It was terrible. It was oh. one of the worst things I've ever listened to. I actually did not watch it. I just saw what he wrote because I didn't think it I could was, sit through it and watch it. It was you can't pretty, just you can't just say to move on. That's just not something you could ever do in a situation no, and, like that. Oh, so bad. And he's he's obviously he's almost playing victim in the sense that he feels he's been wrong because he had to pay money out. It's not like he's concerned about the well-being of Kyle Beach at all or any victims. And it was such a it was such an easy answer he could have made about like all he was asked is, hey, what are you guys doing now to prevent this from happening? That's such an easy thing. It was it could just been like a flex almost where being like, hey, like this is what we have in place now and this is not going to happen again. And instead, he's just like, no, we're not talking about what happened. And it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I said that's in the chat. Because we, I sent like a couple more people came out, and I said, "Yep, 
I mean, this uh, controversial advice is pretty bad when you have a, a version of a Me Too movement against your whole organization. Yeah. Like, that's, that's just disgusting at any level, but especially you're supposed to be professionals at the NHL level. That's just... And obviously, yeah. and, and Gary Bettman did not at the All-Star game, which we'll get to in a second. He got asked about it. It was the first question he got asked, and he said no punishment was going to be brought on in the organization again for his comments. And I'm like, that's just Gary. Gary's the worst. Yeah. He's a joke. But uh, we'll get off this topic. Let's talk some All-Star game. I just want to start off with, did you guys know that Zach Wierenski and Dylan Larkin were roommates? That video that Columbus posted was actually really funny. The uh, the, the the old Vine, is, and they are roommates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. It was funny even that even Columbus's tweet, uh, subtweet to the wings are like Wierenski and Larkin are friends, and they're like Columbus goes like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, yeah. So Dylan Larkin obviously went. Uh, did not win the fastest skater, unfortunately. Only four, you know, miserable fourteen seconds. I mean, yeah. should we trade him at this point? Like, you're gonna be that slow. Yeah. I think I think I said this at men's league. So I was talk, talking with the other Red Wing fans at men's league, but uh, we were saying maybe it's the lettuce that's holding him back. Well, so he looked like he was uh, not taking it too like uh, serious at the start of it, and then he took a corner way too wide. Ah. I do do would like to see him full blown try on that and see how quick he could get. But I'm sure they don't really care that much. Like Kyrie was busting it. He's yeah. fast though. He's like he it's pretty cool to see him win. He's fast. We mentioned we mentioned that before, like when the um mm. events, like the uh competitors in each event, we, we all all three of us have said that Kairu has a decent chance. Well, obviously we thought McDavid would take it, but yeah. Um, I would have liked to see Barzell back in it. Me too. I don't know how is Tom Wilson in over uh Matt Barzell? Well, <laughs> because oh, actually, I don't know. Never mind. No, because you have if you already had Evgeny Kuznetsov. Yeah, that's. I was just thinking that Tom Wilson's having a really good year, though. Maybe Barzell said no. Maybe, Bar- but Tom Wilson's arguably having a better year than Tom than Matt Barzell. Ooh, don't do not tell Ryan Fuke that. I'm just saying, arguably <laughs> having a better year. Okay, all right. Islanders suck this year. There's nothing more to put to it. I put my heart and soul into the Islanders and said that they're going to make the playoffs and come back. And they let me down every time I say that. So you did text me. He texted me. I think it was Wednesday. He was like, you, he was to me and Carson. He's like, you better. He's like, whenever the Islanders play next, you better tell me not to watch. He's like, every time he's like, I'm not watching another Islanders game this year. He's just crushed. Yeah. Um, but another really cool, like, so we, we already talked about men on realm who obviously is a, like a pioneer. It was really cool that she was like in the skills competition. As a goalie, um, but it really, like I didn't know about Wyatt Russell. I thought that was really cool. He was in that, so I knew he was from Goon and like he played in the la- the second Goon movie. By the way, I forgot I didn't know he was Kurt Russell's son. Like, forgot about yes. that completely. Um, yeah. Did not know he played in college with Cam Talbot at University of Alabama Huntsville. Okay, That's, I did not know that. That's really cool. Yeah, he was the backup, <laughs> so they're like they're like best friends. So he was like talking about how cool it was that he gets he gets to hang out with Cam. I was listening to um, the Jeff Merrick show on Friday. When I don't know how like, I didn't put that together because I knew both of them played at UA, UAH. Yeah, so they're they're like really good friends. I don't know. I didn't put that together that they were both goalies at UAH. But he was talking about like I was listening because he was Andy. I think you were nodding. So did you listen to that interview or no? No, no. I just saw a clip of it on Twitter or some of that. Yeah, yeah. So he's talking about like how he quit hockey. So he played like he played like pro, like semi pro. Obviously, he was in Europe and stuff. And he, like he tore his knee, I think it was. And 
it was in like i forgot what country it was it was either like russia or something it wasn't russia i don't think i don't, I don't have his db up right now i could look at it but anyway at the end of the game like he, he taught that. he fight he fire sailed his equipment into the stands and said i'm done and he <laughs> you're, did not you're where he was playing pro yeah where he was playing pro i want to say it was like somewhere goofy yeah, no, I know. Like, he wasn't like a. He was. He was a good goalie, good enough to play pro, but like not like anything. I, I was about to say like the ice league, the Iceland, or not okay. Iceland, but the uh, ice league, Austrian, yeah. Austrian, Austrian or Denmark or something like that. Yeah, Andy's it's, on it, but he was talking good. about how he he fire sailed his equipment into the stands and told the team he was not coming back, <laughs> and like he just he got, he's like I didn't want to pay the hundred fifty bucks to send my gear back to the U.S. So he didn't play again. That was his first time playing in like 12 years. That's so it's like awesome. really funny. Yeah, it's really funny. Like how he's talking about it. And I like, I thought that was a really cool story because I mean, Kurt Russell is obviously a very legendary actor. Wyatt Russell being pretty big actor. I mean, he's, he's also, he's in the new um, Falcon and winter soldier show on Disney plus. So oh, that's right. Yeah, I know. I need to watch that because he's, he's in it now. So I can, I can watch that. Um, but yeah, we can talk about, I don't know if you guys watched the All-Star game. We talked about that after, but the skills comp. I only uh, watched the skills comp. I watched the All-Star. I didn't, I didn't really, I got, I watched like the highlights of the skills comp because I was at men's league, but um, so, and also because he, for some reason was on, wasn't on ESPN plus, but it was on ESPN because yeah, weird. Um, but Trevor Zegers, oh man, that move was so, was so funny. Okay, go ahead, Andy. Do you have the oh, answer? Sorry, yeah. So he, he played a few games in Germany and then the Netherlands. Okay. Ooh. I, I was wrong, but it was a weird league. It was that is really fun. That's fun. Yeah. I like that. Sorry, but, but yeah, anyway, he was like, he seemed like really appreciative. Like he got his, his wife and his, like his wife and kid was going to be there for that. So good for Wyatt Russell to like put on the pads again and hang out with Cam Talbot, yeah. which is fun. Um, But go back to Trevor Zegris. I love that so much that he pulled out my one of my favorite movies of all time, Dodgeball, and like the best scene ever, the blindfold. And while getting dodge, while getting balls thrown at him, makes the move on. Uh, it was was it Menon, was it Menon or was it um, White Russell? It was Wyatt. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, like the Zorro, that is so hard to do. Not not without a blindfold, but blindfolded. That's insane. I, do you think he was actually blindfolded? Yes, I think he could see maybe a little bit, but I- I'm sure there's no way he's gonna score if he wasn't fully like he had to have seen a little bit. Yeah, um, but like either way, like looks you, so cool. Did you see the clip of him and Zach Bell like working on it? Before yeah, I was just gonna That's bring that so, up. Oh, cool! I love that. Like, dude, Zegers is he? He right now, I believe that he's the most creative player in the NHL. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. To do to try new things in each game, he is the most creative player in the NHL right now. Yeah, yeah. And that, maybe that Phil, brings... him and Philip Forsberg. Philip Forsberg is also very creative. I yeah, in a different way, but yeah, I, I can see that. Um, with, but yeah, with like Zegers's creativity, I think that's how he wins the Calder, though. That's oh just, yeah, that like you know, yeah. Like... Fugue sent me the video. He's like, "Well, you can you can kiss the Calder goodbye," and I'm like, "I, the, I yeah. I've 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 I." committed to that at this point it's i like, don't yeah. i don't care anymore i i am good for zegris he's, he's i'm a i know phenomenally fun player to watch yeah i think that's what we should be focusing on as fans is to appreciate his skill and yeah. what he does for the game in that sense yeah. versus like getting mad over i just i just don't like all the hate on him there should be no hate to him exactly you can, you can hate the league for it but yes we should love the player because he is so damn exciting he's a well, even even um 
I was listening to Chicklets and Biz said a couple episodes ago, or a month ago or so, or something like that, after the uh, alley-oop pass, he said if he pulls off in Michigan within the next couple months, he's going to be the highest-selling jersey in the NHL. Sure enough, a couple weeks later, does it. And Biz brought that back up on the latest episode, I believe. Yep. And he brought up, re- reiterated that. He's like, he's probably going to be the highest-selling jersey in the show. Like, Well, kid, the kids... Kit, he's so good for little kids coming up. Yeah. Like they're going to, everyone loves him. And he's younger too. So kids can correlate more with him. It's like him and Jack Hughes. And then you got other young guys that are becoming the new. Just imagine the next Trevor Zegers, like in 10 years, where this kid was going to be seeing Trevor Zegers and trying everything. Yeah. And and gets to come in the league. And you see what, imagine what they're going to do next. You know, it's so positive. Um, Also, Jack Hughes's uh, skills, his, his goal was sweet. I really like that because, like, he does like the he just did like a nice little deke and he was like, Oh, wait, I want to redo. And it was like he brings out, I think it was his train, it was the equipment man, equipment manager's son, I think it was. Well, was it wasn't his clone. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's what they consider, but I think it was the actual story was the equipment manager for New Jersey, his son, uh-huh. Jack, Jack brought him with because this was his plan. So that's really cool that the kid gets to go. And I think it was that it was, it was someone in the New Jersey organization. He actually had pretty solid hands for like a little kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was sweet. Well, yeah, you see like, Jack Hughes every single day. I mean, yeah. And sure. then they both do, they both do the stick toss, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, no, it, really it looked like he was like scared to do the stick toss, which is kind of funny. He was like looking at Jack waiting for him to do it first. <laughs> I thought I, at first I'm like, who's paying for that stick? Cause that kid probably, you know, he has to pay for his six. Jack. So I hope Jack. I, I hope, yeah. I hope Jack like just like throws. He just him, got like, a big payday. Yeah, he throws him two hundred bucks. Manager. If his dad's the yeah. equipment manager, I'm pretty sure he can finagle something there. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, Kirill, Kirill Kaprizov does his oh, best Ovechkin dude, impression. I honestly was sitting here by myself, and I started laughing so hard because the the guy came up to him on the ice was trying to talk to him, and he just had wanted nothing to do with the guy. He was just ready to go score righty. Yeah. <laughs> He's such but a he treat did, too. He did he did the little Gatorade spray that Ovi does, and then oh obviously the yellow laces he did, and uh, all the style. It was so funny, and then it was that's off helping him out. It was really funny because they did like all the the NHL posted all the pictures of like teammates sitting together or whatever, and they posted Cam Talbot and Kaprizov. Kaprizov looked like he wanted nothing to do with Cam Talbot. He just wanted to go be <laughs> off with Kuzi. <laughs> <laughs> he was hanging out with Kuzi all weekend. Yeah, they should put that as teammates. This yeah. is him and Kuzi. Oh, but no, like, and then uh, obviously, you know, John Hamm decided to ruin the, the voting Dude. and Alex Petrangelis, you know, whatever goal that, or no, he missed. Yeah. Did not score. So, Menon, Menon Rayom, uh, one for two. She had the best save percentage out of the two goalies. So, the, big ups. that might have been the best breakaway challenge ever with like Debrinkets, too. That was oh, I forgot, about Debrink- I forgot about Debrinkets. That was funny, too. <laughs> so, it's a hangover. Thing. The ha- yeah, the future yeah. like hangover scene with the fake Mike, Ty- Mike Tyson and the fake Tiger. Yeah. Uh, and then was it Derek Carr? The Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro, my fantasy receiver, who's a beast. Nice. I really like and that. Then, it's, a good, it's a good Vegas nod. And then they had what? Darren Fells or Wells? The tight end is one of the celebrity judges. He just gave it a 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the tight end I, for the. I think it's funny that John John Hamm gave Petrangelo a 19. Like, it's funny, but like, sucks that like he wins. I, I wish they would have just like voted at a nine or something. Zegers went to one anyways. He didn't have the most They're, votes, which is ridiculous. Ham, Ham has bias here though because he's a he yeah. A well, I, know, <laughs> I know that's the point. It was that's why it's yeah. funny. But like again, it's I, I'm still like Zegers' goal should have been the favorite by far. I know it, it would have been Jack Hughes. Yeah, they should they shouldn't 
they should do like I kind of like the celebrity judges just for fun, but they should do an actual fan vote because usually mm-hmm. the fans will vote correctly, like out of like what's the best, like a Twitter, like a Twitter poll or something like that. Like that. But they fun. they've done the fan vote in the past, right? That's how they usually vote on it. I think so. Yeah, it was like well back in the day it was the text in. Yeah, it was 2010 yeah. or whatever, and nobody yeah. had Twitter. But now you could just do it'd be a lot quicker. You go to Twitter and just put up a poll. Yeah, and it'd be solved in you know a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know why was Mark Messier on the. <laughs> I'm a <laughs> I don't think there's a more per- more awkward person in the NHL than Mark Messier. Yeah, that dude's really a, such a weirdo. He's so oh my god, I I can't say. Well, enough. was the breakaway challenge your favorite uh, this year? Yeah, like usually for me, it's usually like this: either the fastest skater or the um, hardest shot, just because I'm a sucker for those. Mine's two, a save streak. The save streak is also a very underrated um, one. Yeah. Also, Dylan, Dylan Larkin scored a couple sick goals in the save Dude, streak. Both those were sick. That's why I like that one. You see a lot yeah. of cool goals. Yeah, because it's like a quick shootout. Like you need to do a quick move and Dude, Larkin. Like I feel Larkin's like this little backhand one. I'm like, ooh. Well, his fake shot too. I love that he's doing that now. He did that in a game the other day, and I was like, that was so gross. He used to be such an a, puck. He used to be such an abysmal shootout guy, and then now he's like the Red Wings' best shootout guy, which uh, is really nice to see. You know who looked really good in the All-Star game? Because who? we never see enough or hear enough about him because he plays on a dog shit team. Clayton Keller. <laughs> yeah. He's got yeah. he's got slick mitts, man. Put put him so- somewhere good. Send him to Detroit. Shit. Hey, don't worry. He'll be playing a college rink by the end of the end of the year. Yep. So he's going back to college, baby. <laughs> what a joke, man. I mean, we could talk about that too, but I don't really uh, feel like it. I don't I, I've had no, I, I've dumped on I've dumped on this that. the Arizona Coyotes enough. Um, should we talk some prospects? Yeah. Uh, actually, before you oh, we, we, that, we, should, we should go to the game. We should talk about the All-Star game, right? Uh, there's Dude. not much to talk about there. I can, tell, I can tell you right now, it was not fun. I It was like watching paint dry. Yeah. yeah I feel like the All-Star game is a lot better. If NH- yeah, you mean the, the skills comp, you mean? Yeah, or yeah, the skills comp. Uh, if, if NHLers played men's league, that's what the equivalent would be. Yeah. But go ahead, Grant. No, so something you... I forgot to mention earlier, you were talking about how much like the guys like Osterly and stuff is kind of off topic, like really off topic. But we saw that uh, Cider, Raymond, Osterly, and Vlad were at the Pistons game the other day. Oh yeah, which was kind of funny. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot those, to like bring that up. Those four hanging out is really funny to me. I don't know why. I think it was the funnier part was it like so the Johnny Kane from. Valley Sports Detroit is only focused on Cider and Raymond and interviewing. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even know until I looked back on Twitter and, and never, someone's like, hey, what's up, Vladdy? And I looked back, I'm like, holy shit, that's Vladdy and Osterly. <laughs> Just no, 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 no one cared. <laughs> it's so funny. I love like, yeah, like it was it was pretty funny. Like Cider like knows what he's talking about a little bit of basketball. Then I felt like Raymond was just like, uh yeah, I'm, kinda, I'm like, just here to watch. Yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, I love love basketball. Um <laughs> I was funny because I know Cade uh, Cunningham of the Pistons rookie, like Sider posted about that on his story for being rookie of the month, I think it was, or something like that. I just um, always, anything with Raymond in basketball, I always think to the picture like Bergeron posted a while back about that. When, when they first got yeah. to Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. That's so good. Um, but yeah, so prospect wise, uh, we had Scott Wheeler from the Athletics um, prospect ranking, and uh, Grant and I, we, you know, we had some thoughts about it. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. I felt that I feel like with a lot of guys that covered like on from like the athletic athletic, the him and Pronman both. I feel like they watched so many guys where like 
the big guys they have like the really good analysis is on like Edvinson's was like really good, but then you hit with like a guy like Johansson and Vero and it's kind of like a pretty half-assed report in my opinion. So here's the thing with this. I, I was thinking about this right after I read his, I'm like, I hate when people do these big lists. Not gonna lie. I like it for the sake. I get excited over it. I get like, to read this and stuff, but I hate it. Because it is so difficult to judge 20 prospects on all 32 NHL teams. Like, my gosh, you know the plate this guy has? Yeah. So I I don't necessarily like it. I know he needs to put out content, but I think it's half-assed content. Uh, I respect the shit out of his content, but, like, this is just too much. Um. It's nice to read other teams because I don't have a full idea on the other team's prospects. Right. And then I'm like, you give me an idea. But when I get to my, like, my favorite team, I'm like, you don't have the full idea. So do you know what I mean? A little bit? Yeah, no, no. I feel like, like especially the Albert one, I'm like, I don't know if you've watched Albert. Like, if, all you have to do is go to Ice Hockey Gifts on Twitter and, like, watch. Uh, by the way, I want to, like, if I ever got, like, I'd, I'd give that man a hug, the Ice Hockey Gifts guy. Like, oh, yeah. I, like the amount of content he pushes out for Red Wing Swedish players is unbelievable. And like, you see like the highlight packs he makes and the Johansson, his plays this year, he's just so smooth with what he does. And to say that he doesn't like in the writing, I'm pretty sure he said he doesn't see the offensive upside of Albert Johansson. He said something about how he's not dynamic. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, but if you don't watch him all the time, that's what I mean. Exactly. I agree. I just, you shouldn't write about something you don't know about. That's just how I've always felt about that kind of stuff. I like to read his stuff though, which is kind of contradicting. Yeah. And I was like, for me personally, so like I, I was, I was writing, like I did like a ranking. I sent it to you. I'm not going to say it. And I'm like, I'm, I've now debated on it, like whether I'm going to do it or not I, right now. Like I don't feel confident enough to do it considering I haven't, I haven't watched enough of each player. You know what I mean? So I feel more confident. I, I feel more confident doing it like an update. Where you cover a couple guys and being like, hey, like, look how good they're doing versus like giving my analysis on every player because I don't get to watch every player. I don't do I mean, it. For a living. Yeah, we could almost also sit down at the end of the year and do like a full prospect breakdown of like that'd all, be really, a top 20. That'd be a really podcast. fun episode. We both, we all three of us give a list and that'd be a really fun episode. Because um, uh, like the list you sent me, I was talking about it. I forgot with who, but. I was like, yeah, there's probably only two or three changes I would make to this list right now. Yeah. And just a couple flip-flops. And, like, there weren't even big flops. You're right. They're, like, a couple no, of I thought, I thought you did a really good job. Thank you. Yours. Yeah. I'm not confident enough to, like, write up, write up enough about them. Like, it would take me a long time to do it. Um, so I'm not going to – I might do it – I might save it for some, you know, off-season content around the draft or after the draft where you can add in the new prospects. But um, – yeah. But I think right now, like, obviously what I get from the lists that I put together and then obviously with Wheeler, uh, oh, man, our strength at lefty is unbelievable. Yeah. It's just like, it's going to be such a treat to see what Eisman can do with that, either development or trade for a uh, position of need. Um, but right now, I think we're, we should focus on a couple couple guys right now. Uh, I sent, I sent uh, five names, but obviously we'll probably talk about more guys. Let's be real. But the hottest name right now, like in Red Wings land, is kind of Carter Mazer when it comes to, and we were talking about, we, I think we said verbatim on the 
the off-season recap episode, our second episode ever, I think we said that Carter Mazur was our least favorite pick from the entire draft. Yeah. Yeah. And right now he's he almost is turning into the best pick from for value-wise. Value-wise, yeah. Man, he's been so good. Uh 27 points in in 26 games this season, which is fifth on Denver. Also, he sits sixth in the entire NCAA for U20 players, which is behind like Beniers and Johnson and stuff like that, like guys who you know are picked high. Right. Um 10 points in his last 10. I just and also we I sent you that I sent you guys that tweet about how he's graded out. He's the he has the fourth best grade in all the NCAA. Yep. For that, um, he was Lassie and Allen. I have that. Hold on, a second. I want to get it. Name it right. was a, a Lassie. I'm not sure what Lassie Allen. And I have okay. I have the name right there. I just pulled up the tweet. I can I can read it right now. Um, Mazer has the fourth highest overall grade among forwards in the data set. Insanely good offensive results across the board. Also really good at carrying the puck to the offensive zone. Mazer's development curve over the past two seasons has been spectacular. So he grades out as a 99 overall. Offensively 99, transition 93, and defense 83. And like the only thing he's only really read on in the, on this graph is penalties taken. So he's taking too many penalties, which is something you can figure out so quickly. But everything else is really positive. And like that's I'm starting to question. I'm starting to question. He's, go ahead. That's also part of his game, too, is the aggressiveness and also physicality. Like, sometimes at the college level, especially in different um, conferences, the refs call like chintzy, like borderline penalties a lot more where i think maybe at the pro level they might let that go a little bit or might strap it down to more depending on the play but like right. watching the ccha anyways closely there's a lot of non-calls that are being called a lot which is frustrating so that's still throwing me off that it's, it's throwing me off that it's called the ccha now not the wcha yeah, yeah i just i was so confused there for a second <laughs> bring the cc back baby yeah, and no, I love it, but like, uh, but anyway, back to Carter. Mate, like, I think he, he, we start to question now if he's more than a just a bottom six guy with what he's doing. He was playing top six in the for the world junior team, and he looked good the one game he played. Like, he's playing 16, 16, I think he played 16 minutes that game. Um, but for Denver, he's playing first line with uh, Carter. I think it's Carter, no, no, not Carter Savoy, it's with uh, Bobby Brink, and I don't know who their center is. It's Savoy on the second line, I think Savoy's on the second line. I think so. I think they have so they have a, Savoy's a winger, so I think they have a uh, center who's someone else. I think it might be Gutman or something like that. Okay. Um, but Denver is stacked. Denver is a very good team, and he's played so well. And I really like what value we're getting from him. I think he's proven to turn out more than I said. Like at the at that um, review episode, that he's gonna be a guy that you can plop in in a playoff run, like a Darren Helm, and you sign him to a cheap entry level contract and. Yeah, he's a fourth line player. I think he's gonna be more than that, which is really great. Like I wasn't expecting to say this about a guy, this guy, this early. And I know like his development curve has been crazy because he was a point per game in the USHL his last year, captain of Tri City. Um, but yeah, like draft is an overager too. I forgot to even mention that. Like a guy who was passed over in the draft once. Right. It's just it's not something you usually say about a guy who's drafted nineteen. Usually, it's a longer process kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, it should be noted that he is playing also on, well, right now, basically the rank number one team in, in the country for NCAA. Big minutes, though. He's playing big, first big, line. He is playing big minutes, but he's getting those touches, which is actually really good for him, in my opinion. 
uh, to play with big players like that. Uh, so it's yeah. really interesting to see the way he's been developing this year. I, I would like to catch more Denver games. I've only watched one this year. Yeah, I think I've watched one as well. Because, I mean, you guys, you have Tuomisto and Booyam, who Booyam's also having a really solid season yeah. as well. I mean, Tuomisto's kind of struggled a little bit, but he's still he's still been pretty productive um, considering. But, like, um, anyone who, like, says, like, all right, we should sign uh, Mazer now. No. No. We yeah, leave, you leave him in college for at least another, uh, at least another year. Yeah. If he blows the doors off next year, like, have at it but like with, with you just gotta value, be careful with college the players. value of yeah the value of college guys like we we got burnt with ken holland with the uh, philip larson signing that's also goalie too but i mean i think we should have left him at the time yes that's what i mean i yeah i was saying goalies need more time that's right. what i'm saying we that was all we signed him too so we i don't know that early. there's a too early with a forward prospect yeah and maybe not i i still think the value in college players is they're able to play three four years without needing to be signed yes. and then you bring them in at 20 at 22 23 and then they're able to be cheap on your on your team i would lo- love for him to be a guy though like you said earlier but might be more than a fourth liner to be able to plug into a playoff team that's pushing like after a season in denver you just sign him and mm-hmm. we at this point maybe say after his third year of college he tears it up and we sign him after his year and then he comes in for a playoff run I agree completely. And we're going to go to another um, another college guy. Andy forgot he existed, but I just want to mention that uh, he might be like the most productive Red Wing prospect. Actually, there's another guy I want to talk about, but one of the most productive Red Wing prospects recently, uh, Robert Mastrosmone. And on the Wheeler list, I had a big problem with this. He's ranked 14th, and I just think he's so much better than that. Um, but Robert Mastrosmone, I mean, if you look, if you count his points right now for the whole year, 21 points, 26 games, which is his career high, which is respect. Like, that's pretty good college numbers. Like that's pretty close to a point it's, per game. It's also varies from comparing him to Ma- or to Mazer too, because he isn't playing on the caliber team that Mazer is. No, but I also want to point out Masters Money has five goals his past five games. Six goals his last was he, time too. He was the 19 10 points in 10 sorry. games. Yeah. He's been so unbelievable. He's been unbelievable of late. Yeah. Well, you're Sandy. He's who is the 19 draft, right? Yeah. Yep. Second round. He was the the second pick. Tatar, right? He was the Tatar Tatar trade. Or no, no, that was Albert, I think. No, I think it was Mastro. Oh, it was because Vegas didn't do that well in the 19 19 draft. Yeah. So we have in order to keep his rights, we have to sign him this summer, right? No, Uh, because he's college. I think call. uh, Yeah, I don't think it's this year. I think it's next year. It's three draft after this draft. I'm pretty sure three drafts. Oh, really? Yeah, OHL's two, uh, and then the college is three, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, we'll find out more about that when I Because it was 19, comes. so 20, 21, 20, yeah. He's a guy, like, I know we were talking about Mazer, that we were talking about, like, wait a couple of years with him. I Like, obviously, Mastro was a couple of years ahead because he was drafted a couple of years before. I'm comfortable with signing uh, Mastro this summer, if me, needed. Me too, because I think he can kind of fit into a lineup. Yeah. And with it, we were talking about, like, how, like, as long as Denver is still stacked, like there's still so much value of Mazer playing on a, a good team like that and competing for the Frozen Four and stuff like that, right? Where Mastro's on a weaker Boston University team and he's being forced. I mean, he's doing really good. Like, I, I want the game I watched, he was pushing the play offensively and he has a lot of Bertuzzi qualities where he's a hound on the puck and not being a very big guy, he throws the weight around quite a bit. Um, but yeah, it just seems like a lot of people have forgotten about 
Master Simone. But yeah, again, if Andy, if that does become the case, I'm more than comfortable of signing him. Yeah, I'm summer. just looking up real quick to make sure, but I'm, I'm something tells me that's it's, that's what it is because it's two years for OHL players. After I think like I think they might have changed that rule though because well, like well, Petro he, or Petro yeah, I was gonna say, Pe- yeah Petrozelli we had that issue this summer where he played four years of college at this point but we had to sign his rights this that time right so, so let, let me let me just double check that you guys can continue I'm looking I remember up. with like I'm pretty sure it was Adam Fox no that had, yes because it, it's it's as long as you're in college you still have your rights as that with that NHL team okay that's what I'm pretty sure it is because then after you say you want to test them or be signed or test the market. Um, that's when you can get signed as a free agent. Right. Yeah. You can choose to leave college and then they have to sign you there or you're a free agent, I think. Right. Right. But um, like, like Andy said with the OHL, I think you only have two years. So I can OHL's guy two that, years. So, so, so we're, yeah. we're going to talk about like, he has to be signed after this year. Yep. And I'm, pretty excited to talk about them actually me too being proved of- yeah uh i guess we'll just talk we'll move on to the next guy right now um we'll talk about that guy we'll talk about him cross annis um he's proven me wrong big time because I, I was talking some smack about him uh after the development camp i didn't like what i saw out of him really so i did i don't remember talking us talking crap about him i actually said that i after what i saw in the ushl from him I liked what I saw in the development camp as in he was better than he was in the U.S. Joe. Cause I was really nervous after his year in the U. But this yep. year lately, he had a kind of a slowish start, basically a point per game or a little bit over. He has 20 under. He was, he's a little bit under 22 points his last 10 games. He's been fantastic. He's been fantastic. That's more than two points a game, <laughs> but he's 49 points in 38 games total. Um, sits for, first on Portland and 18th in the entire WHL. That's some pretty good value for a second round, second round pick. Well, I like, we, we've talked about Zegers a lot this episode, uh, and how creative he is. And that's one thing I really like from Hannes is his creativity with the puck. He's so crafty. Yeah. And he, he's got great vision. Mm-hmm. Offensively. He, his, his issues, like uh, I think, his biggest issues for me, like what I'm thinking, excuse me, is his ability to like be able to drive lines. Like I think he needs more out of that. Like, he's definitely gonna be a complimentary player, so I think he needs to work on his foot speed a little bit. Is what I've noticed from because he's not a huge guy by any means. He's, I mean, he's not small. He's like six one, one eighty, pretty average, like average NHL size. So he needs to develop that another level to his like speed to be able to productive. But they'll de- he'll definitely be signed this year. And he'll probably play in Grand Rapids next year and join a pretty, pretty stacked prospect wise team next year. Yes. And well, who was he playing with in dev camp? It was uh Tutayev and who was the other Pearson? It was Pearson. Okay. And that line was phenomenal. The other moments, like especially the first game, the first game Tutayev was really, really good. Hannes looked really good setting up plays. And that's what I mean. His vision in the ozone or on the rush is very good. It's what worries me most about his game is defensively. Sometimes yeah. in the D zone, he strays. Yeah. And I like, um, yeah, like, it, again, with that skill, like that, this is something, not something really the Red Wings have like that really high end creativity, I should say, because we have yeah. guys that have skill. And I creativity. think that was the idea when drafting him in the yes. 2020 draft was to go for a really high ceiling skill player. Yep. 
And I'm, have, all, like, I'm all for that. Yep. I think he's starting to like really hit his stride, which is something like he wasn't obviously in the USHL. He wasn't comfortable. And I, with, I, I think it was Horkoff that had talked about that a bit too. Yeah. Like that, at fighting through that adversity is kind of good for a young prospect to realize mm-hmm. that he needs work, like a lot of work. Cause it's two definitely very different leagues. The yep. USHL to the WHL. Definitely. USHL uh, is Andy, more of a physical route. Yep. Andy, do you have that answer? It wasn't a straight answer, but it sounds like I'm right. You have three years. Interesting. There's no way. Because Petro, he, we still had his right after his fourth year. And yeah, he, we still had his rights, yeah. He could have played another year this year, right? He, could, yeah. he had the did, option did, to play a fifth year and still be under our possession, I think. Yep. Did, did he... When's, when's his birthday? Like, did he already play a year of college and then get drafted? Because that could factor into it too. No, sure. he, he was he was drafted by the USHL. Okay, uh, I don't know. Like the answers I got, it was only like for like eighteen to twenty, so you have two years. Like for like yeah. OHL, like CHL players or junior well, players. I guess we'll find out when the time comes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, they but, send the list. I know. I know a guy that like is definitely expiring. For our rights this year is uh, Otto Kivimaki. Yep, but he's he's gonna be an, he's gonna be an interesting one. I know. Yeah, I know. He for, is I think really it's, interesting. It's I think it's four years for European guys. I think. I don't know. There's some weird rules. Like I know technically, I think we still have we used to have rights to Alex Kadekin. Kedek, he was like an overager we drafted in like 2012, and he's like 28 at this point. I'm pretty sure I think we still had rights to him recently Weird. i don't know i don't know what the rules are on that but i don't know those rules are always like changing just it's always for leagues to keep their talent longer than they longer than so the nhl like can't put them in the ahl whatever keep high talent in the minor leagues um but yeah cross hand it's like he's definitely be a guy the red Wings are going to sign this yeah. summer um but with mastro it'll be interesting if they do or not because i mean he's played three years and he's really hit his stride this year I still think it'd be valuable for him to play another year, but he's different than Mazer in the sense like I can see it making sense for him to go to the AHL. Yeah. It's just we have an abundance of prospects that should be coming to the AHL next year, which makes it really interesting. Like what they're gonna do with all these prospects and makes more so de- more so defensively than offensively. Well, it makes me think that there might be a trade like soonish with some of these with a prospect or two. Okay. Yep. I just I just rephrased my question, and it was 30 days after the player leaves college. No, yes, we signed. So yes, we signed within a month after leaving college. So literally, Mastro could play another year. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that makes okay. me think he's going to play another year. Yeah, maybe. I think he plays four years. Um, Nothing wrong with that. But, like, talking about how many prospects that we have possibly coming to Grand Rapids next year, like you have Alex Cotton. What the hell happens with him? He's been doing nothing lately. Yeah, he's a I mean he's a fifth round pick, right? He was the guy that was taking a swing on for strictly offensively. And he's able to put up counting stats somewhat, but like not as much as you'd think you'd be able to put up. Yeah. Um, especially now on a sta- like a better Vancouver Giants team. Um but yeah, like so yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to watch with that sense. But uh I didn't like we'll- him. Everyone liked him in training camp, and I thought he was brutal. Yeah, he was he's a defensive liability. Well, and like um, his numbers this year aren't very good comparatively to last year. Yeah. Um, talk about Simon Edmondson. I know it's always he's always the guy that gets talked about, but he deserves it. He like he had a bout with COVID and with he had a concussion. Was it a what when was that? It was it was it 
after World Juniors he had the concussion or was it before? Before. Because remember we were watching at uh he took that hit when we were at we were watching the game at was it Christmas you were home or when were you home last? It was whenever Halloween. you were in SC. Halloween. Halloween. We were watching that game, remember? Yep. Yep. I remember that now. Okay. That's what it was. Okay. And he took that hit. Yeah, so it's COVID. So he hasn't played that much. I think he's played the most recent games for um for Lunda. But he again, he's just 12 points, 26 games of defenseman. I mean, if you look at the U20, the U21 scoring in the SHL, all Red Wings with Ed, you know, Edvinson, Soderblom, Johansson, Wallinder. Wallinder. It's silly. Um, again, he's he's gonna be he he's really gonna be an interesting training camp decision for the Red Wings. Um you know, it's it was it would have been really nice to see him in the Olympics this coming week, but I'm kind of glad he's going to focus on Frolanda. As Frolanda's kind of struggling of late. Oh my god, did you guys see their new mock-ups for the jerseys? Frolanda's, yeah, they're yeah. Ugly. those were bad. They got canned immediately. The fans said Good. they hated it, and then they got rid of it. It was just this ugly like F that was put in because obviously, like, they're changing their logo from the Indian head, which is probably a good idea and they're moving on to something else and that that new logo was pretty bad so i'm glad they're going back to the drawing board because it was it was bad um but yeah like simon Edvinson, and i'm i i said that i said the notes like for the especially the la game just imagine Edvinson on that blue line instead of jordan osterley or dan de kaiser yeah it, it'd be night and day yep uh, and the last guy I really wanted to talk about, especially because, I mean, we can talk about the Griffins game in general. We could recap that a little bit. The last, last night's. Because um, obviously we had a three-point night for Valeno. Uh, Berggren scoring. And a guy like that I really like talking about because he's just such a good story to root for is Jared McIsaac. Uh, scores it. Absolutely rips it, too. It was a really nice shot from the point. Really good walk. Um, he's been kind of a power play guy in Grand Rapids, but I'm pretty sure he's at, he's at like 18 points, I think, this year. 16, something like that. In 38 games, and for a guy like that, we weren't even convinced he was going to be able to even continue his career because he's had two shoulder surgeries. Um, super impressive stuff. I don't know what like how you guys, Grant. I know you watch the Griffins quite a bit. Uh like yeah. You- I he exerts like a lot more confidence this year, which is super nice to see. And he he has 14 points in 39 games. Excuse me. I knew it was like in the teens. So he plays. He had been playing second power play. I haven't seen a game in a bit. In a bit, but Murphy mm-hmm. was running the second or the first power play unit. That makes sense. Which makes sense. But I've loved McIsaac's game. I think he's taking like great strides from his previous like two and in, three injuries, whatever it was. Uh, I don't know. Like <laughs> for a guy like that, I I could see a surgeon's come, or he kind of just takes off. And this is what also is so nice about having this many left-handed D prospects. Something's going to happen in the near future with some of these guys. Yeah. And it's like, we kind of looked at, like, I think we look back to Berggren a few years ago where he couldn't stay healthy in the SHL and wherever we're all like, well, I guess he's not going to make it. Yeah. And immediately he loses a couple of years to development and he comes in and you're like, Oh, this is what he can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is what he is. And now McIsaac's finally, had, he this is his first full year since he was drafted. I'm pretty sure. Because he's not, think- he's not really supposed to be this huge offensive defense minutes, like a two no, he's, game. Yeah. And I like to see he's good at jumping into plays. 
and he knows like when to and when not to. And he's I, a pretty big. He's a pretty big body. He's like six two. He skates pretty well. He's a good puck mover. Really good. He's really mover. good. Really good. He's a defenseman that any team's like hell yeah. Let's sign. I yeah. sign up for this. Like it's great style. Um, again, it was from that really the 2018 draft. The Red Wings like at the time we can discuss the you know the first pick made whether or not that's a good pick, but. At the time, I mean, like, it, was, it was a really good pick at the time. Yeah, at the time. I, I guess now, looking back at it, you can argue it. But um, but right now, like, it still has such huge value for a rebuild moving forward. Yeah. With the yeah, with all of those guys. Um, but yeah, like Jared McIsaac, I'm I'm just, I'm rooting for him big time. I hope he really makes it. Me too. Uh, he's he's a guy I want. I really want to root for. Was McIsaac the guy that got injured in training camp or yeah. prospects camp? Yeah. Yep. Okay. That was another one that we thought like we're great. Like he's moving into his first full season, right? Pro, okay. and we're like great. He's gonna be set back again. That was a nasty hit. Yeah, that one really made me. That scary. one really made me mad. Because yes. I, I thought I thought it was him, but I couldn't couldn't quite remember if it was him or someone else. I forgot about that, so I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah. Um. Thank you. But unless you guys want to bring up anyone else, I think they'll do it for this episode. Grant, unless you had someone else you really want to talk about. No, I think we we hit the nail on the head today. All right, the guys cool. I wanted to touch on. Yeah, like I wanted to talk about like obviously you can go with like the easy ones like obviously we talk about Kosa and like his his struggles, like all the big name guys. And I kind of wanted to touch on a couple guys that like people kind of pass up on a little bit like in in like normal talk. Um, well, guys, we don't usually normal normally talk about either. Right, exactly. Especially like Mastro and Cross Hannis, like those guys. Um, but yeah, like this will do it for this one. Um, Red Wings play twice against Philly next week, so probably a couple get right games considering how bad Philly's been. Not after Drew just MVP'd out. Yeah, but he's I mean, he's gonna get traded to Colorado apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Man, Colorado third, third line center in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> now play my play my wing with with uh actually no you Naz. dude you, the top six is still good with Colorado. Yeah. I, could, I could talk about Colorado for a while. Yeah. Um but yeah, so it should be another um I kind of like the schedule now, like where it's only two games, you just focus on those two games. It's some good practice in between there, but also like for me being the fan that I am, I'm like, I'm, I'm missing it. You know, yeah. I like the games every, every other night too. Agreed. But uh, just more, more time for Jacob Verona to get healthy. That's all I got to say. Exactly. I was just going to say that. I just want to see Verona back soon. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Get started. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that will do it for this episode. Um, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, support inside the rink and our, our sponsor uh, bet us and uh, keep, subscribing on um apple Me- apple i was about to say apple music apple podcasts um big up apple music yeah love us some apple music but uh <laughs> yeah thank thank you everyone for listening